Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. On the night when our Lord was betrayed, and when he knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And how great was his love. Our Lord had sent John and Peter ahead of him and the rest of the disciples to make ready both this upper room and the supper. It was to be a private affair with just himself and his twelve disciples. The master of the house was downstairs with his own family and with his own household servants. Upstairs was just Jesus and the twelve who were with him for the last three years during his ministry through the highs and the lows. They loved him as their teacher and Lord, and he loved them. When everything was ready, one thing was yet to happen. The food was there, the disciples were all present, but no one had done the hospitable thing and washed their feet. There were no servants, it was a private gathering. The master of the house had provided a towel water and a basin, but no one had volunteered to wash the feet. None of the disciples thought to take this upon themselves. It was a lowly work to stoop down and to do this. No one wanted to volunteer and be seen as lower than any of the others. These were, after all, the very same disciples who often argued about which one of them was the greatest among themselves. They were probably waiting for Jesus to ask one of them in to do it. Someone had to do it. Might as well let the teacher choose. But our Lord, having loved his disciples and loving them to the end, thought to teach them. He rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. The room must have been so quiet that all that was heard was the sound of the water splashing over the disciples' feet and dripping into the basin again, as their Lord and teacher washed their feet, one by one, and drying them with the towel. The image was so striking to the disciples that John takes the time to clearly lay out what Jesus did, not missing a detail. He, their Lord and teacher, lowered himself to wash their feet as only a servant would. Just four days ago, the same disciples could not bear the thought of Jesus riding to Jerusalem on a donkey without a saddle, and so they laid aside their outer garments to put on its back. And now Jesus was the one laying aside his outer garment in order to stoop low and to wash their dusty feet. It makes sense that Peter, ever quick to speak and act, is the only one to object when our Lord comes to him to wash his feet. 
Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. Just as Peter is ever quick to speak, so too our Lord is ever gentle and loving in his correction. Peter could not stand the fact of Jesus washing his feet. Perish the thought. It was not right. He was their Lord, their teacher. This just did not happen, but it must happen. And so Jesus, loving them to the end, tells Peter, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. He calls for him to be patient, to let his Lord humble himself and wash his feet. But Peter will still not hear it. You shall never wash my feet. But Jesus answered him, I do not wash you. You do not have a part with me. Jesus was teaching them a lesson through this. He was demonstrating his love for them. Yet, knowing that Peter would do this, he was also using this as an opportunity to teach them something even greater. Here, Jesus moves from the literal meaning of what he is doing to a greater spiritual meaning. If I do not wash you, you have no part with me does not actually refer to the washing of Peter's feet, but it speaks of a spiritual washing. Jesus spells this out clearly when Peter mistakes this for the washing which is happening and says to him, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. If having his feet was washed by Jesus, if having his feet washed by Jesus brought such great blessings as to having a part with him, then washing all the parts exposed to the air must also be beneficial. And so our, our Lord, yet again, kindly corrects Peter, demonstrating that the washing that he is speaking of is spiritual, saying, He who is bathed only needs to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. When the body is clean, only those parts that are soiled after walking on dusty roads need to be washed. One does not need to bathe every time they come again inside from the outside. They only need to wash their feet because they are otherwise clean. You are clean, he says to Peter and the rest of the disciples. It doesn't come across in English as easy as it did when we used to say thou for singular and you for plural, but this is the plural you. You are clean, but not all of you. You are clean in a way that makes you a part of me, he says. They have received the spiritual washing from Christ which removes sin and its guilt. Indeed, brothers and sisters, you too are clean. In holy baptism, you are cleansed with the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, by the washing of the water and the word. 
your sins forgiven, washed away by Christ, you are clean. And whenever you become soiled by the dirt of this world, when you fall into sin, know that the same cleansing is always there from the Lord who loved you till the end. For while baptism itself is never repeated, that which faith receives in holy baptism, the forgiveness of sins, is applied by Christ whenever faith once again grasps it. That is why, because of our baptism, we can daily die to sin and rise to new life. In holy absolution also, faith receives this cleansing and washing from Jesus for the soul. And in the eating and drinking of the holy body and precious blood of our Lord that he instituted on this night so long ago, by faith we obtain the blessed fruits of forgiveness, life, and salvation, and union with Christ, and see his love even for Judas. You are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him, therefore he said, you are not all clean. He knew that the devil had already thrown it into Judas' heart to betray him. Yet he does not cast him aside, but offers him another opportunity to repent. He says this knowing that Judas will hear and know that he's speaking about him. He says this so that at hearing it, it might strike his heart and bring him to repentance. He knows that it will not happen. He knows that Judas has made up his mind, but he still holds out repentance before him. For having loved his own, he loved them to the end. And so after finishing with washing Peter's feet and continuing to wash the rest of the feet of the other disciples, our Lord says to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If then your Lord and your teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you should do as I have done to you. Our Lord, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that, at, and that he had come from God and was going to God, and was going to enact the sign of God's love for the world by giving himself to death so that we might live, instituted a memorial of his love and gave an example and pattern of it to his disciples. The memorial of his love is the blessed sacrament of the altar, which he instituted the same night. It is a memorial, but not in the way that many of us think of memorials now. It is not just a remembrance, but it is a memorial that communicates to us the very body and blood of Christ our Lord. In this sacrament, the Lord, out of his boundless love for us, deigns to give to us his body and blood as a sign and seal of his great love with which he loves us. For out of his love, he gave himself over to death, shedding his blood to cover our sins. By partaking in his true body and true blood under the forms of bread and wine, trusting in his words of promise given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, we receive his cleansing, pardon, and peace. And so this same night in which he gave them this blessed feast of love, he also gave to us an example of his love. Do you call me teacher and Lord, 
And you say, well, for so I am. If I, then, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. He is high and mighty, greater and higher than any at that table. And yet he stooped low to serve them, making himself least to serve them in love. If he has made himself low to serve his servants and his disciples, how much more ought we to love one another? I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. His love is so great that he went willingly to his death, a cruel and shameful death that we might not die, but live with him forever. But as an example of love, he holds before his disciples and us the love expressed in washing another's feet. It is not a commandment saying, now you go and once a year wash one another's feet, but it is far greater and more encompassing than that. It is an example of a love that is humble, kind, and puts others first. This is the love that he holds before us. This is the love that we ought to follow. See how much he has done for us, though we do not deserve it. No one can do anything to us that is so harmful that we should not love them in return that we should not pray for them. This love he asks of us and has modeled for us is a love that does not seek after one's own needs, but the needs of others. A love that honors our neighbor and seeks their welfare. May God, who loved the world and gave his Son into death that we might not perish, but live eternally, grant us such love and ever increase it within us through the merits and mediations of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and our Savior, who loved us to the end and now is risen on high and still loves us. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen. <laughs>